All right, Mots, we are back. Episode 129 of the Rink Shrinks. What do you say? You ready to go? Let's go. All right, Mots, we had a little bit of time off, uh, you know, 4th of July week. It's a mailbag episode. A uh, lot to catch up on. How you doing, my man? Doing great. Yeah, a little R&R over uh, the 4th of July week. So some uh, some friends, some family, uh, played a little golf. We hosted a little party on the 4th. Unfortunately, the parade in Duxbury got rained out, <clears throat> but uh, we still had some festivities back at our house and um, made good of it. You know, we had plenty of burgers and dogs, and it was a bunch of kids here and invited some some adults. So it was uh, it was a great time. So we the rain didn't bother us. We popped up a little tent, and yeah, away we went. You're a grinder. Yeah. I don't melt in the rain. No, exactly. Once you get wet, you're wet. It is what it is. Uh, I know it wasn't the greatest weather around here for the uh, 4th of July festivities. Obviously, it it didn't bother me too, too bad because I had to work anyway. So I appreciated the uh, the look to come down on the 4th of July, but it just didn't work out. But we did take in some uh, couple nights with my uh, my parents and uh, sister and her family and uh mosh vegas so we weren't too far away from you and uh it was a good time yeah it was great and then able to play a little golf with uh, a couple buddies uh, one of them who i hadn't seen in a while and then uh oh got a great story about um saturday there was a um a friend of mine who you know we did some yard work you know whatever i helped him out and a couple things and made a couple dump runs and then he's like do you want to play like nine holes or something i'm like sure Right, so we go and and bang it around, and he's playing in flip flops and just kind of like not taking it serious. We're just, you know, if you lose a ball, you just pop one out, and it's just to yeah. get some swings in. So we go on just seventeen, kidding. and he drives. So we ended up just keep playing because we were playing better. It's starting to get dark, and we uh, we pulled past the you know the tees, the the back tees that we usually play. He's like, "Do you want to just play from here?" I'm like, "Sure." So he hits a, a good one. Uh, it was a par three. I hit it one, you know, kind of near the hole. We pull up, and there's like a hill. And I was like, I'll just collect the balls. Let's play 18, and you know, because it's getting dark. Right. So I see one ball, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's mine. It was like a foot away. And then I look in the hole. He got it in. <laughs> no way. So I'm like, hey, Pooch, you got to come up here. And um Look! Look how close my ball marker is. A ball mark is from you know the tee shot. Right, right. And he like saunters up. He's like, "Oh, you're making me get out of the cart." So I'm like, "Yeah, uh, it's right here." And he, I'm like, "Look in the hole." And he's like, "Oh!" And then we started like hugging and jumping. And he thought it was mine though. I'm like, "No, that's yours." Uh, so it was unbelievable. So that we was just what hit- you said. Yeah, John oh, Peterman. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we're gonna uh, I'm gonna make him a little plaque, but you know it's gonna be like the asterisks from the ladies' tees. I was gonna <laughs> say right, yeah, it's not like a real one. No, I'm have but to shoot him a text. That's just the amazing thing about um, you know, the golf. Like, you know, he hits a great shot. We're just kind of kicking it around, and uh, it doesn't really count, you know. So yeah. He did make the shot though, so I was like, well, what, what was if you you know were how, little... like how far away was it? You think? Um. I think it was like about 120. Oh, not bad. Yeah. 
Yeah, I so, mean that's like legit. I know, <laughs> no, but you we said had this... it was late in the day though. Maybe like some kids who are just out messing around just like pushed you a ball close and another <laughs> one in. If you didn't see it actually go in, me, I'm, I'm maybe are you skeptical. I don't buy it? Yeah, I'm skeptical. No, his um, <laughs> no, there was no one on the course, and I was like, you know, I had legit like a you know good shot too, and it was a foot, and uh, I just was like amazed, you know, for. For him and I'm happy. That and is we, great. We just get like a really good laugh out of it because it doesn't count. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good for old Pooch. That's great. Unbelievable. Yeah, he's the best. What a dentist too. When you need you him know. in a pinch, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> that's that. That really is. It's classic. It's classic. Uh, obviously, um, what was it up in Canada July first too? We missed out on that, didn't we? Yeah, the uh, Canada Day. Canada, good old Canada Day. I know you're half Canadian, so it's always, uh, you know, you like to celebrate your roots. That's why you, we needed a couple extra days off here with Canada Day, 4th of July. It's yeah. just, you know, your heritage would just, we got hole-in-ones going on, like, just <laughs> off, the, off the charts. You know, flying the Canadian flag, the American flag, and, you know, shooting texts to my buddies. Uh, happy Canada Day. And it's, uh, yeah, it was a great week. Uh, but it was nice to have a little break and back at it with my boy here. Yeah, it's exactly. It's good to see. Um, we haven't really caught up, but it was, uh, you know, since the NHL draft, there were some interesting questions that were posed. Uh, what did you think about it? Um, just, w- you know, with the, with the local kids being taken, uh, American-born guys in the first round, what was your thoughts on that overall experience? I think it's great. Um, you know, top – top draft picks, you know, in this, from this area, you know, Ryan Leonard, Will Smith, um, you know, it, you have some other um, players that were drafted and it, and it looks, you know, it looks good for say like mass hockey, but those are like the only guys that got drafted, you know, mm-hmm. those four of them. And, um, you know, just as far as, you know, the development model that we talk about, you know, it's like the high end kids really benefit, but, what about the masses? And right. that's one of the questions that I had for you know, a few of the scouts or mass be- mass hockey guys, and they they feel that the model is working and whatnot, but uh, it more kind of leans towards the high, high-end development uh, for those guys uh, who, who end up going to the national program and kind of on that path. So uh, they didn't really have an answer, but – um, I'm really happy for those guys. You know, again, my son played um, against um, all four. So right. it's pretty cool to, you know, and you're going to root for them all the way through. So it's it's pretty exciting. No, it is cool. But like you said, there isn't that, that volume. And I forget the exact overall number of even American-born players. Uh, there wasn't that many. You know, what would you say? There was just the four kids from Massachusetts that yeah. ended up getting taken. Um, so it really is interesting to see, and it's interesting to see what, you know, if this model, if all the, if everything that we have going on around here is working, right? You see some of the other parts of, um, you know, the country where it's really working, and and you know, even other uh, countries. You look at the Swedens and Finlands of the world, right? And it's it's, you know, I'd like to see uh, a breakdown of this past year's stats of where everybody did come from. Uh, 
it'd be something that maybe next episode we can uh, we can really try to dig up because I think it's it really is it's interesting to see obviously very happy for those high high end guys and those guys that are out at the NTDP but you know and, and only time will tell right those these 2005 birth year kids do have some extra time and and like we always say trust the process is there really a uh, you know a big rush or anything like that so We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But I did. Uh, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions. I saw some, uh, you know, just draft interview things, and uh, that the it was talking about um, Scott Wheeler. He posted something that said the Habs bit off a bit of a rep here as the toughest interview. So obviously talking about the Canadians. Uh, just now, Kelly Odelius said they asked him if he would pick up ten dollars off the toilet seat or fifty dollars from the toilet. He chose the fifty. Uh, what would you think about that? Where would you go? Yeah, you go after the 50, you know, then you can <laughs> wash your hands off, you know. Gotta get greasy, right? Yeah. Um, I I think some of these questions, there is really no like, right and wrong answer. From? Right, exactly. So I think, um, you know, I was talking to our boy Billy Ryan about mm-hmm. the interview process, and they had a panel of, you know, staff asking questions and then you know these prospects were you know already had did did like a psych eval test yeah so the the psychologist was asking these absurd questions that would kind of like give you a little insight into you know how someone was thinking really and Mm -hmm. a little bit off the wall but um some of it probably aligns with you know the evaluation that they had already all right, I figured yeah, I'll go wipe, after the fifty. I, I figured you'd wipe with the ten and take the fifty. <laughs> That's actually pretty. And then you get both. Yeah, then you get them both. Why not? Oh, that'd uh, be a classic answer. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like, "Oh, this dude's really nuts." Uh, but no, it is. It, it 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 it's just interesting. You hear some different things like that. I really like the Adam Fantilli. Uh, obviously, the custom made suit and. It was pretty cool to see some of the guys showing off their personalities and having different suits made up and, and the inside of it. Obviously, his suit games come a hell of a long way since uh, since we were kids, right? But guys getting custom-made things and, and, and everything. But, you know, just thanking uh, his teammates and family and friends and coaches and advisors, like all these people. There were over 140 names um, listed on the, the vest of his jacket. Um, or the lining of his jacket, which is, it's pretty cool and just shows um, the appreciation that a kid like Adam Fantilli has to, um, you know, for for everybody that helped him in his path. And, you know, obviously he signed with Columbus. He was a third overall pick. He's a great young prospect and hopefully he has a hell of a career, right? But like you always say, you know, the the process is just starting out. But it is cool when you, you, you see somebody really appreciate. Yeah, and there's, uh, you know, a couple kids that, a local that I've uh, been on the ice with who didn't get drafted and, you know, kind of talking to them, just make sure that you stay the course. This is, you know, the, almost the beginning, just the beginning for you too. Meaning you have, you'll have 32 teams to pick from when you, when you really make those next jumps, you know, and right. instead of just being, you know, kind of uh pigeonholed into one organization. So you can look at it, you know, as it's cool to get drafted, right. But, you know, to have that, ability to have options and uh, kind of choose opportunity it's much uh it's much more valuable down the road but it's it's tough to 
pill to swallow when you know you think you might be kind of in the mix and you don't get picked but it's uh overall you know happy for all the kids that did get drafted but now it's uh, the time to make that next step and continue to, to grow and develop yeah no it reminds me of another thing it was a, a, a baseball quote i saw on uh on twitter this year it was a, not a quote but a uh or a couple of weeks ago but it said believe it or not uh college recruiters and mlb scouts won't mark down won't mark you down for a bad game in fact many would welcome the opportunity to see it they want to see how you handle yourself when things aren't easy and smooth they want to see how you handle adversity because at the next level you will be challenged in ways you haven't been yet and um, if you are in fact good enough to play at that next level. So instead of feeling embarrassed and thinking it's the end of the world, step up and rise to the occasion, show everyone how good you really are when you don't have your best stuff. That's great stuff right there because, you know, it's, we talk about it's easy to be a good teammate and a good person. And when things are going well for you and the team, but you know, when adversity comes around and things aren't, you know, going your way, you, you know, maybe you're hitting the ball hard in, in this, you know, baseball uh, scenario. You're just hitting it to the, the wrong guys, you know, right. like there's no holes. Um, how do you respond? And, you know, it, it does, you know, show character when, you know, true character when adversity face, uh, when you face adversity. So it's one of those cool things that it's a good reminder for, you know, a lot of coaches out there. You know, you want to see a kid have a bad game and then see how they respond or how they respond in the moment. Right. Especially where hockey is such a game of, of mistakes too, right? Where guys are gonna, I don't care, you're gonna screw up. Uh, and baseball is the same way, right? Guys are gonna strike out, guys are gonna make errors. It just is what it is. So it is, um, you know. I think I saw that right around the uh, MLB draft, and when, since we were talking about it, it remind me of it. But uh, before we get to the mailbag here, this this mailbag is gonna be brought to you by Franklin Sports, the official street hockey partner of the National Hockey League. Check out their line of official NHL street hockey games and training equipment at franklinsports.com today. Like I said, Franklin Sports, obviously those guys, they came through with a uh, with a great little hockey package and net, some shooting giveaways so with our July giveaway. And it's going to the Sklonic family in Jackson, Wyoming, which is a uh, new hockey family, young hockey family, which is pretty cool. Like, listeners and and followers out in jackson wyoming are walking away with a brand new franklin street hockey uh starter kit no it's it's awesome that that was a nice little package that franklin you know put forth and we're happy for uh you know so we we, uh sent it out to claire but you know big hockey uh family and we have uh you know we're just really happy that you're going to put it to use and we need some uh some pictures and some photographs and some action shots of the kids uh utilizing the franklin training gear um and uh, we'll post that as well yeah absolutely no it was great uh all right what do you say let's get into the mailbag here this first one's a little bit of a long one but um first just listen to episode 123 in the segment regarding the rim pass i can't thank you enough for sharing your view on that in my youth my coach taught us the wheel the rim and the glass and out uh, we know what that's all about, Mott, huh? Uh, that was many years ago, but the tape-to-tape passes in the D zone were never emphasized for sake of turning the puck over. We basically were robots. As our local coach and chief, to continue to educate myself and trying to work with our players on modern uh, systems and drills, I am often reminded that elder players who have a long time, um, who have a long time in the game of experience, have 
but also have adapted to the game over time are very few. Uh, an example of this in our association, in our association, we brought back my childhood coach to help with our midget team. Great heart, great person, but just too old fashioned. His sessions uh, often contain butts on the boards, chucking pucks, and trying to gather the puck for quick outs from the feet. The infamous rim drill day in and day out for 18 U hockey became frustrating for players and parents. I won't mention, and I won't mention the season record. As we move to another season, I don't want to crush the coach's enthusiasm to help the organization. However, he's proven that he does not benefit the elevated levels. Um, I'm a man-to-man person when addressing these matters and will do so, but I'm certainly open to advice of ways to break the news lightly. Uh, I've considered appointing him to younger divisions, one where his skill set for teaching fundamentals uh, would be of value. Any thoughts or suggestions from your chair would be appreci- appreciated, and that's from Coach W. Well, there's a lot here. I, I mean, I would yeah. start by, you know, if you're willing to just have a face-to-face conversation with him, you can just call him a dinosaur to his face, <laughs> and then you know, just be like the game <laughs> has passed you by a bit, and you we want to be dominating the middle of the ice. the The rim is the last resort. You know, you, you're sewering. The winger that's one of the toughest plays for a winger oh. to make um you know so the wingers back lead under, the league in concussions right so going back under pressure with you know a game plan with your partner um and then using the middle of the ice to have zone exits with possession is the way the game's being played and you have to deal with like the consequences if it's turned over there as well and uh i just think that you know, the more you see it, you know, what at you know quality levels and then the NHL level, it is so refreshing to see, you know, because there's good coaches adapting. Like Coach W said, uh, there's not many in his organization, but adapting to the way the game is played. And sometimes it is like a copycat league, but you're seeing success. So, you know, you want to duplicate that. And then you got to try and, um, you know, work on that in practice and have, you know, the kids be confident enough to make those short little support passes under pressure in pressure areas. So then there's another pass made or there's room to, to exit the zone. Yeah. I mean, I love the fact that he's bringing his old coach back and everything, but he already said it. Like when he was playing the, he, the guy was creating robots and teaching them to rim the puck and throw it off the glass and things like that. So obviously it's, it's difficult, you know, maybe look into, you know, having um, this dinosaur just work a door, fill some water bottles. Uh, In in my mind, it really all starts at the, at the younger levels too. So it's very difficult to be, you know, say, oh, I'm going to put this guy now with the, uh, the, you know, a squirt or peewee team or something. So that that's not doing your organization any favor. So you got to have a conversation with them. And if you are going to move them around and maybe put them with another team, like he's got to really know he's a second or third assistant type of yep. guy that just helps out, opens the door. And, Push the pucks around, know, gets them ready, you know. Yeah, the next exactly. Show. Fills the bottles. Um maybe buy some pies for the kids after the game, you know, fun guy to be around, but we're not going to rely on his hockey uh, expertise anymore. It's, it seems to have uh, passed him by for sure. Yeah. I think that's a, 
a pretty good assessment for uh, Coach W. All right, I got the next one. Thanks for res responding to my Facebook message regarding the AAU basketball tournament a couple weeks ago. To share the experience, a group of our midgets, regardless of their season ending, continue to build their relationships off ice through golf or other activities. Several, several of our players created the team and recruited some of their high school friends from other sports, such as motocross, football, and soccer. This band of misfits developed their own practices and decided to join an uh, AAU tourney as bronze division basketball team. They witnessed firsthand the quote-unquote business and scholarship mentality stated in a past post by your show. Did they care? No. Did their opponents care? Three of four teams had fun with them and they made friends, but the fourth team ridiculed and attempted to berate them. The coach threw his clipboard in disgust and went to the tournament directed to complain loudly in public. In the end, the tournament carried on and nobody could break their spirits. They simply battled forward. The experience also showed other athletes just why family means what family means to hockey players and all involved expressed how great the experience was regardless of butt whooping they faced. And that's uh, also from Coach W. And that, that's that's some, you know, pretty, pretty cool stuff. The band of misfits. I love that. Yeah. No, it's great. It's great to see it. And again, uh, the hockey family and, you know, I love the fact that these guys are staying together, going to play other sports, doing different things. Um, you know, I would probably choose like a CYO or a, a low level type basketball tournament before I went for the AAU um, and probably ruined the division with that. I can't believe that they actually let them in right. coach W, but Hey, uh, good for them to be out there and, and, and having fun. I'm sure they laid the body around a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, some fouls because they probably have no idea what they're actually doing on a basketball court. So, no, it's great stuff. It's great. And it's great to see those bonds um, continue. And that's what it's all about. Like we, we've talked about before, these guys, um, as much as they probably ruined that basketball tournament, no matter how long these kids play together and, uh, you know, 50 years from now, they're never going to forget that. All right. Uh, that basketball tournament that they went and did and those memories at the end of the day are what it's really all about. Uh, you know, whatever, maybe one or two, maybe a handful of these kids go on and play college hockey. I have no idea where they, where, where they're at or where they live or anything. Um, but like they're going to go down no matter what, that's going to be one of the biggest memories uh, that they have in their life. Like, remember that AU? like, They'll be sitting in a restaurant 50 years from now, and that's going to come up, and they're going to be, you know, high-fiving, chest-bumping. <laughs> and they'll remember certain plays, and they'll remember oh, that yeah. fourth team that were, you know. Remember that idiot so coach great. that was slamming yeah. his, his clipboard? <laughs> and It's unbelievable. It's great. All right, TSR Hockey is located up in Tax-Free Salem, New Hampshire, where you can stock up on all your equipment needs. Uh, now is the time, especially to get ready for next season. I can't believe it, Mots. We're halfway through July here. Uh, it, it's amazing that hockey season legitimately is right around the corner. Make sure you reach out to Micah Dave at 603-912-5970. They'll take care of you. Uh, if you're up in Salem, New Hampshire, go by the store uh, and go see our buddy Brendan. Make sure you tell him that the rink shrink sent you. And if you can't be in the area, just hit them up online, tsrhockey.com, for all your shopping needs. 
Yeah, there's uh, plenty of uh, options up there, all the top-end equipment. I know uh, the boys that go up there love the selection of sticks, the different curves. You can try them out. You're, you're able to do that when you're up there up there uh, a few times, right, BY? Oh, yeah. And um, I was just happened to be at work today, and, and, you know, my kids are doing a little bit of skating and training with Ian Moran right now on the ice over in Wellesley. And what do you know? dad i broke a stick you know taking a one-timer i'm like oh here we go <laughs> dad are you going up to tsr anytime soon i'm like these goddamn kids <laughs> <laughs> as much as i want to go see him i really you know cost us money months i know that's that's understandable but you know it happens and but uh brendan up at the store take care of the the kids parents whoever comes in the store uh, make sure you get suited up with whatever you need that's great. Uh, all right, let's get to the next one, fellas. My son was the last cut at the AAA level for this upcoming season, but we are very comfortable with where he stacks up at the forward position in his age group. There's only one AAA team in our town. The AAA coaches are uh, extremely skill-based, practices are fast-paced and largely skill-based, while um, including one-on-one and two-on-one battle scenarios. My concern is that the double-A coach is not ideal. He teaches little to no skill, and his practices consist of mainly zone exits, regroups, and zone entries. Uh, my son doesn't get a lot out of his practices. When my son plays the triple-A team, I see him implementing a lot of the coaching. He's received at the double-A level. F1 drives wide. F2 crashes the net. F3 fills the high slot. But it's not meshing with the more skilled forwards. Example, if he's F3 in the high slot... F1 might be dangling in the corner trying to shed a defender and get a shot off. I see my kid being stuck between two different ideas on how the game should be played. Do we approach the AA coach about implementing more skill? Do we continue to introduce the skill via lessons slash off-ice training? Do we stay the course and hope that when the kids start learning the more positional slash team-based game, he'll be ahead of the curve? I wish we knew the age of this player. Yeah. They just say triple A. A Uh, a couple things here that jump out at me, um, saying that it doesn't get a lot out of the practices, but then you see him implementing it in the the, triple A level, right? Is that that receiving Mm -hmm. the triple A? Yeah. But that's that. Zone exit, regroup, zone entry. The stuff at the, at the, that he sees the double A level when he skates with the triple A kids. Yeah, so I I look at it at, at you know like the exits, the regroups, and the entries. That's legitimate real hockey, and you're getting kind of real concepts at an early age. I'm guessing the skill stuff is like what I want to take out of the game at times, you know, because you're not making those plays, you're not driving the net you're not you're not playing with some structure so again we don't know how old but i think you know you kind of answered it. he'll be ahead of the curve um when the game starts getting tighter and you know these kids aren't trying to dangle in the corner um you know i just i just think that that's one of the areas where you know the triple a coach is probably doing a ton of skill like you know really implementing like skill like you know, development, which is fine, but what your son's getting at the double A level is going to translate at each level. 
everything you said, Mots, I thought was 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 completely spot on. Um, you know, again, like I, I do wish we knew the the age because obviously, in a perfect world, in my eyes, like it's it's all about balance, right? Coaches should be doing some a certain amount of skill work, but also, like you said, there's such value in you know learning those entries, learning those you know middle lane yeah, drive, finding guys. Right, finding, okay. um, finding that F three high, like, like he says, like he said, the 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 AAA coaches are encouraging guys instead of creating off the rush to basically take the puck into the corner and try to dangle and beat guys one on one and take a you know a, a crazy type of shot instead of actually finding uh, a, a teammate and making a play. So I think that that you know the way I read this you almost have the best of both worlds. If the triple a coaches are doing a lot of skill work and the double a coaches are teaching a lot of, you know, a lot more team atmosphere. Uh, again, it, it's good to have a lot of skill, but at the end of the day, you know, watch the NHL playoffs, watch high level hockey. Like, yeah, there's a lot of skilled hockey players out there, but you got to be able to think and make plays and use your teammates. Like that's what the game's all about. Yeah. And you don't want to, say give them too much structure if it's like a really young age you want them to make some mistakes and work on their skill in certain areas but i think that value of having you know that foundation of knowing what to do or have an idea of what to do on a zone entry you know whether it be drive the net you know after he stayed a little high like he was in the high slot being in a great offensive position and then you're in a great defensive position if the dangler you know gets the the puck knocked off his stick so i think i think you do have the best of both worlds but also you can you know supplement that you know um skill development with the off-ice training and, and some lessons if uh if you think he's not getting enough because you know there's certain guys out there i'm, I'm guessing in your area as well that that's all they do and right. um, yeah, you can you can work on that at home and with the Franklin Street Hockey, you know, training tools. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, all right, you want to take the next one? Yeah, uh, love the show, boys. Piece of advice I'm looking for: my kid is a U14, is always on the bubble to make tier uh, or A teams. Tier one, I would guess. Yeah, let's go with that. Uh, feedback is his intensity isn't there. He is not a quick uh, feet kind of kid, but is always lauded as the best hockey IQ on the ice. Since he doesn't make those higher competition teams, he's the number one guy on the lower teams, but lacks other talented players uh, to play with and against. Looking for any advice how to work through this? Yeah, I mean, in my mind, to be labeled as a kid that has the highest IQ, I think is is really important. Um everything is going to change once we start hitting that 14, 15 year old years of hockey and the smarter players, similar to the conversation that we just had with the last question about, you know, double A and triple A coach is like the, the smart hockey players, the ones that are going to prevail. Look at the Patrice Bergeron's in the world and people like that. Uh, he may not be the fastest or quickest guy and things like, uh, or anything, but he sure as hell is the the smartest hockey player on the ice. So I would rather be labeled with that than, you know, something else, right? Being a guy that can skate a million miles an hour that but but can't think it. So I think those are skills where if, you know, if he works on his fast twitch, if he gets on his, 
you know, starts working on his off ice and, and, and um, strength and conditioning programs, different things like that, you're going to see big time results and you're going to get a lot faster uh, on and off the ice. So I think that's a skill that can always be worked on. But the, the hockey IQ piece of it is something like some people just, God, think back to one of our early episodes, like Brian Leach, what did he say? Like, you can't teach hockey IQ. Mm. Uh, Not that we really agree with that a thousand percent, but, you know, like if you're a smart hockey player, there's something to be said for it. Yeah, and I think I was actually going through some players that I played with in my last year, and, you know, they're not playing anymore, some of the younger guys, and they had skills that, you know, some of them could just skate so fast and, Mm-hmm. you know, fire the puck or whatever. They, they all got there for a certain reason. This was in the AHL in San Antonio. And I just wanted to see if some of them were still playing. And um, it got me thinking if he did have extremely quick feet and could skate by guys, he wouldn't have to think it. So right. you, you should look at it as a positive sometimes where maybe <clears throat> a negative right now is – allowing him to develop his hockey sense and develop his hockey IQ. And he can work on that off ice stuff. Like you're saying, BY put the work in off ice and try to maximize his genetic capacity to be the fastest player. He can be the, the quickest player he can be. And he's going to have the head that goes along with it. And that is something that, you know, like you say, you can't teach, but you can always encourage. Mm-hmm. And if he has it, he's going to separate himself once he gets, up to speed, literally, right? Right. So I How think about that's... you throwing out the genetic capacity. Wow. <laughs> well, it happened to me. That's all I can say. <laughs> I, I, I always wanted to be that quick twitch, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Ski bike, and I'm like, ah, oh, just didn't happen. Right. Right. Yeah. You and me both, brother. Well, no, it's good. But yeah, I, I like the hockey IQ. If he's lauded as the best hockey IQ on the ice, and encourage that play to that strength. But always work on you know the the uh, weaknesses or the negatives that you know he's not the fastest player, which is that that should be driven into him. That he has to get better, get better, get better, and right. you see where it, it will take him. And there will be some plateaus, but you can break through those, and there's going to be some real gains. Uh, and you'll see some results. Absolutely, especially once uh, puberty really takes off here. Yeah. Uh, All right. Um, Mots, you want to take the Sparks read here? Yeah, we have oh, yeah, the Sparks. Yeah. yeah, they're the best. Uh, Sparks, the at home or on the road skate sharpening machine. Head on over to sparkshockey.com and use BY Mots for $50 off your Spark sharpener. Sparks is the at home skate sharpening machine that will never fail. Sparks is the gift that keeps on giving for hockey players and parents. It's convenient, easy to use, and will save you money in the long run. With Sparks, you get an accurate sharpening every single time. Again, head over to sparkshockey.com and order your machine today. Yeah, obviously, um, like we talked about before the show, Mots, I'm going to be heading over to Nantucket next week. Hopefully, you can join us. But the first thing that's going to be going on to that ferry with me is going to be my Sparks machine because i got to be demoing drills out there. Uh, the kids are going to be out. They're all going to be skating. My brother, I'm sure he hasn't sharpened his skate since he got done playing, you know, a year and uh, some change ago. So he, uh, you know, you can have a bunch have... of campus being like, "Hey, can you get, get get me a little buzz here before the the skate? I stepped on a, a nickel." No, I'm going to like buy your own. Use the BY Mots promo there code. You You're like, don't try to hit me up. Or well, maybe I'll start charging them. You know what I mean? But 
and looking forward to get to Nantucket. And like I said, it'll be a lot of fun being on the ice with Keith. Hopefully you can make it over for a day or two and, uh, and join us. But uh, it'll be a uh, it'll be fun. But like I said, we're, you know, the skates will be sharp thanks to our friends at Spox. Um, all right. When is it time to call it quits and move on? My 2011 is a two th- is a self motivated hockey player. He doesn't have parents who ever played. I grew up in the South where football is a sport, and I know inside and out. Inside and out. Sorry. My kid chose hockey late in life and always has been behind. We have spent all our income to support his vision. Uh, example, private lessons, camps, clinics, speed skating, and every year he gets cut at tryouts and put on low-level teams where kids don't take it as seriously as him. Training isn't, a good, isn't as good. Coaches don't care, and he is bored to death. This year, he really worked hard to make the double-A team. He got to practice with them last year and made a huge difference in his development. Um, He didn't make it, and the organization isn't doing a lower-level team this year. I'm just so burnt out and feel like he he will always be the player that the coaches overlook. We are always chasing people to give him a chance. He is such a good teammate and with the biggest heart and always the most respectful on his team, but he – but that doesn't get you far when you are not a goal scorer at the peewee level. When do we start spending our money on other things and accept that he may never reach his goal of being a solid hockey player? It's the worst feeling in the world as a parent. Um, I would, and this it's is a tearjerker, Mott. It is. It's tough. Um, but if he's self-motivated and he's having fun and then – you know, he's meeting some kids, you know, and they're not as, say, good, you know, when he gets down on that single-A team. It is um, it is disappointing. But as far as traveling and giving it one more chance and another organization, if there's one available, I, I think, you know, again, we talked about kids, you know, with the desire to be better and he's motivated. So it's not like you're dragging them to the rink. You know, he should be dragging you, and that's what it seems like right now. Um, but it is that you're in kind of a tough spot, right? You know, yeah, it's just, tough when there's no other team right now. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you just – I mean, if there is another organization, I mean, I, I wouldn't give up on – you know, because he, he he would be maybe resentful if you just pull the plug on him, you know, if he's this uh, motivated player and wants to try and get better, you know, through the – the lessons and what what not what you've been doing. Um, I just think that uh, this is a tough one because you know you are the parent. You you want you know what's best for your your player, but it's uh, also um, you know tough to not to you know not to like provide enough for the player that wants it. You know, if, right. if if it was just kind of a mediocre, like, hey, you know what? I don't really care. You know, it's very it's very tough to do that when they aren't like that. You know, so I, I think, would say look for another organization and yeah. if you you know put the commitment in and just give it you know one last go and then you can make a decision after that. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. Like if he's um, really into it. He's a 2011. So what he's cut, hasn't made a couple teams or getting cut and kind of been the overlooked guy. Uh, maybe not a, a natural goal scorer at this time, but like you said, 
he's a leader. He's a good kid. He's learning great habits uh, on and off the ice. He's a, you know, seems like a, a treat to be around and a good friend and a good teammate. So those are the life lessons that you're taking away from the game of hockey, which is what it at the end of the day is all about. So uh, I understand your frustration, but you're raising a good kid, a kid that's a good teammate. And you know what? Uh, like I said, who cares where he's at at Peewee's? If he stays in it and really continues to want to do it and you can still um, invest in the private lessons and find another place for him to play, who knows where he's going to be two, three years from now. Uh, right. Again, we don't know where this has taken place, where, where, where this email is actually coming from, but – uh, you know, I, I hope that, um, you know, they don't get frustrated and let uh, little Johnny here hang him up because if he loves the game and wants to be part of it, um, you know, there's nothing better than, you know, going and playing hockey for the rest of your life, playing men's league, doing camps like uh, this is it's the greatest game in, in the world for a reason. And, um, you know, he seems like he's really picking up on some good you know, fundamentals of life through the game of hockey. So hopefully he keeps it up. Good point. All right. Um, Hey guys, I fell in love with your podcast. It's extremely helpful uh, for navigating the crazy hockey world. So here's the situation. Triple A versus double A development. They added a triple A for mites this year here in Illinois. Not exactly crazy about it, but my son is talented and I've been getting phone calls for him to play triple A. My father is the biggest supporter of my little one, partially because he is living his best days all over again. My brother played. His support means the world to me. He's at every game, practice, skill sessions, you name it. He really thinks my child belongs on AAA, and that's it's the best thing for his development. But we have a great coach with a AAA team close by. Will his development be affected by the weaker competition despite good coaching? I'm worried that the uh, six travel tournaments for AAA at his age is too much and will burn him out, not to mention the hour drive for practice. However, he loves the game, and I don't want to stop him from from progressing. And that's from an Illinois hockey mom. And I, I think the team that was closer by was actually double A, right? We might have we, oh, we I, so many we got so many A's and you know triple. No, I think AAA's. I said A double A. No, did I say triple A? I think you said that the triple A was closer in that last, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I think the it's double A team's closer. Right. The double A team's closer. Exactly. The triple A team's for, you know, more of a ride. I think it's great that, um, you know, grandpa is able to, to be back in the rink and things like that, but it is your child. So you got to do what you feel is best for him. Um, you know, if Papa bear is out there and he's going to cut him around an hour to and from the rink and, all that type of stuff and pay for all these tournaments. Maybe that's one thing, but uh, again, it's your kid. It's your child. You got to do what's best. What you um, as the parents feel is best uh, for, for him at this point in time. Yeah. I think the the great coaching with the team close by though is very valuable, you know? Right. I'm sure. And that's kind of what I was alluding to with, with, with yeah. that. Cause I know grandpa wants him to, uh, you know, Play he needs that actually. He and I, he needs that extra A next to his name. <laughs> no, I would A A R P. I, I wouldn't think, uh, you know, you have two kind of good choices, but just more commitment, right? And um, and I think Mites is it's a lot because yeah, 
you know, to the six travel tournaments and in, in Illinois, you're probably traveling to, you know, out of state for, you know, a bunch of the tournaments. And, um, I mean, I, I personally would, would stay local. That's just my personal, um, kind of opinion on it. If it wasn't, uh, that was my situation. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, all right. I was, uh, I got the next one here. I was talking with some other moms about helmets slash safety. And one mom had a great question. A helmet like car seats. Like, do you have to replace a helmet after your kid gets hit in the head hard? And how often should we be replacing helmets? Lastly, we generally donate our gear when our kids outgrow it. Are there any issues when uh, with donating used helmets? Please advise. Thanks. Sincerely, Brain Loving Moms. I think what it's. Uh, think, I love the moms. You know, um, writing in. So that's great. Keep them coming. Um, I love the brains. I just think you know they're bringing up uh, a a good point because mm-hmm. you know the helmets that this is like when i was playing pro though they get stuffed in a bag and then they get squished on a plane or a bus and you know they they do get worn out you get hit and in the padding actually would wear down guys like to you know not have a new helmet all the time but for the safety of the kids i don't think they're having it depends on the ages but they don't have as as much contact consistently especially now um even as at the older ages so i would look if you're worried about it look at the the lining on the inside and they have that like air stuff now right like yeah. the new if that air is like you know compressed a little bit or if there is an old school foam one and it's compressed you know i wouldn't pass that one along when you donate it um but you know again i don't think it's where do we get the car seats here? What's the car seat situation? It's just for safety. Safety. Okay. Yeah. Safety like why? If you, if you, I mean, obviously, if you get in a car accident and the car seat gets ruined, you're not going to use not it again. Donate it. Yeah. I, no, I, I know. I, I, I think they just make an analogy here, yeah. which, you know, I don't really get. Yeah. <laughs> I just, you, you never said one. You're sitting on your mom's lap in the front seat <laughs> i was sitting in the old school station wagon facing the wrong way yeah there you go. that explains me but i'm looking at a helmet right now i get a bucket um one of these new you know tsr specials the 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 bio react but it's a it, it is a heck of a lot different compared to the um that old brown, yeah, the brown leather that we used to have inside our helmet. Just the foam, yeah. Yeah, this is more of a foam. So I think that was Why don't you turn advice. it to the camera so we can see? I thought I did. Uh, uh, there you go. Yeah. Hold on, you want to put it on? Yeah, there. That's better. Mm. Oh, does it well, fit? No, it's, it's, I think you it's You have a big level. brain. No, it's... <laughs> Thank God my brain loving mom didn't have me get uh, recent hand-me-downs. That's great. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is my 11-year-old's helmet, I think. You want to um, finish the show with it on? <laughs> you think I can? Uh, <laughs> you can't. I can't see you though. But um, the 
it definitely uh it, yeah I, I think like you said if you notice some different things going on where uh it, it's smashed up or something and i i would notice typically in helmets that break the plastic on the outside that's who you would see more of yeah. the helmets breaking down now versus the uh the actual padding inside i think they're pretty they're made pretty um that's a good point pretty different on the inside compared to the the, the way you used to so just check it make sure if there are some cracks and, and and broken pieces on the outside uh that's something you definitely don't want to hand uh hand down or do a what they say they do like a a uniform oh, donation or something yeah donation yeah which is cool that's uh, that that's really that's nice. good stuff but uh yeah, yeah. um well, well love the brain loving moms i <laughs> Got, got to respect the um, the BLMs. <laughs> Love the it. brain-loving moms. Uh, all right, message here. I'm blown away by the decisions we are having to make for our 14-year-old, decisions that will significantly, significantly impact his future. I keep telling him these are privileged problems, in quotations, but they are still keeping me up at night. Like who remembers what they were doing at fourteen? Wow, that's a hammer time. Yeah, um, I remember what I was doing at fourteen, and it was actually a big decision to go to a school, and it it helped me kind of get on a path. Mm-hmm. Very difficult now to navigate uh, the landscape um, a little bit more, and whatever kind of situation uh, or territory or area of the country you're in because there's a lot of different options. But, um, yeah, this is where, you know, things start to kind of heat up, right, BY? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely – obviously, I'm dealing with this age group, and you went through it not too long ago yourself. Um, Like anything, though, uh, you shouldn't be losing sleep over your 14-year-old's kids' hockey decisions. or the decisions that you guys have to make, it's it, it's definitely challenging to kind of navigate the waters and different schools and teams and teams seem to be splitting up and and, and changes uh, are, are happening, it's, uh, especially over you know here locally, right? You have the influence of prep schools and full season teams, academies, all these different models, and uh, it is very difficult to navigate. But I would take it you know one year at a time slow things down, take a deep breath, um, you know, figure out what you think is the best path for your son or your daughter and enjoy it. Like there's no reason to, to, to be losing sleep at night. Yeah. I mean, decisions, you know, just, I would say just gather as much information as you can and you kind of base your decision on, you know, your gut and a, a good fit. Whatever it is, an organization, a school, um, a program that um, that you were talking about, BY, because there are some options out there. And but yeah, you just you don't want to overthink it, but just grab some information and you know have a conversation with your son or daughter. And you know, at fourteen, they might want to do something that might not kind of jive with what you guys are thinking as parents. But I'll just say that it's a uh, it is a, it is somewhat of a kind of pressure times like it's not like all or nothing you know it's if you make a the wrong decision but i I would just say don't overthink it but gain as much information as you can before you do make a decision absolutely um all right i get this one here that 
a 12U player in our program is overweight. A talented player, but everything about his game, speed, quickness, edge work, and stamina are all suffering because he's not taking care of himself. He didn't make the higher team because of it. How do you address this with the player slash parents? A 12U player. Um, you don't. <laughs> there you go. Like, the kid's 12 years old. It, it, I don't think there's a right time to, at 12 years old, to go, uh, you know, I don't know who this is that's sending in the question, if it's a coach, if it's another parent, but it's kind of crazy to me that it'd be on, even commenting on a 12-year-old kid, uh, a 12-year-old kid's weight. So I think you you need to put things in a little bit of a perspective. And we all know, and I, there's so many kids that I've seen at that 12, 13-year-old age group that were, you know, a little bit heavy and, and, and just – but they hadn't hit puberty with uh, right yet. I'm sorry. And a year, two years later, it's like, boom, they like sprouted. And next thing you know, they look like a, a, a God just ripped up and things like that. So uh, I don't think there's a right time to be going, having those conversations. It's hot enough that the kid is probably uh, a little bit heavy and, and, and not making the top teams. If they can't identify that on their own, then, you know, that's on them as a family to to navigate, not on some other person to say, you know, hey, you got to watch out for, for Tubby over here, right? Like, that, that, I think that's insane to be even thinking like that. Yeah, it's um, – it is young to address that. I mean, it's – um, But that, that's mean, on you as the parent. No, I'm guessing this is a, a coach. Right, you know that's so, what I mean. Yeah. So, but that's on the parent, like. Yeah, I mean, you could you could implement, you know. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to single them out. I mean, right. you can you can be like, hey, these are some good snack ideas for after games or before games, like pre. But you broad stroke it so that everyone, you know, everyone. Yeah, but I mean, that's still a little sensitive because everyone will know, kind of. Who you t- who you kind of trying to help? Um, right. I don't know. I just I think that you know that puberty stretches kids out, and maybe his speed and quickness and edge work and stamina out there. But I'm guessing he thinks it and he can pass, and he has good hands. Right. So when he does get you know we we're talking earlier that speed, quickness, edge work you know, stamina after stretching out a little bit and maybe getting the light bulb going off, you know, um, he's going to be that much better. So I just think it's a tough, tough conversation to have to the player or the parent. And I I disagree with you having one with either. Right. Absolutely. Um, All right. Dear Shrinks, next question here. Dear Shrinks, new owners of our club two years in, they have ever so slightly changed team colors by Bailey, a noticeable shave, and now mandating all players, um, all parents to purchase new expensive hockey bags, polo shirts, practice socks. We're talking about practice, man. Um, joggers, hoodies, etc. All of us parents have all this gear from the last season already. I want to be, be clear. I'm not complaining about the game jerseys. It's all the extras that add up, and I can afford it. 
It's more of a principle thing for me. Again, the only difference between last year's gear and this year's gear is the ever so slight changes in the shade of blue. One of our club directors is fond of saying, look good, play good. Nonsense. Uh, this is a money grab, plain and simple. Oh, and I forgot to mention these kids are 11. P.S. Our club dues are already $1,000 higher than all the neighboring clubs. Probably nothing I can do. Thanks for hearing me, Vent. What are your thoughts on these type of club money grabs? It's what it is. It's a money grab. That's exactly what it is, and it's just brutal. I mean, I, I was trying to get my daughter to wear one of my son's jerseys, you know, that she mm. that she could. Uh, she, I'm like, just change your number to 15. You she know? uses a blanket. <laughs> same same last name. No, it was like one from like when he was younger. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, I mean, the colors are the colors. They don't change the colors, but they get like a third jersey or a whatever, you know, so they still kind of get you. But, um, but yeah, this is kind of ridiculous to uh, mandate, you know, the parents to purchase new expensive bags and polo shirts and socks, you know, about that. And when you do it all, just because it's just a slight change, it's, you know, it is very apparent what they're trying to do. Yeah. It's it's complete nonsense, and to make eleven year old kids have to show up to games in polo shirts and things like that just because you changed the color a little bit, I think it's complete like a clown show. They're eleven years old; they're gonna get fruit punch and pizza on the thing immediately as they show up. Like show up, and you know, I understand maybe a tracksuit, but come on, let's be serious with the polo shirt and everything like that. It, it is; it's a money grab, exactly what you said. Yeah. All right. We got here, my hockey rankings question of the week. Let's see, how long should a player stay off the ice when summer rolls around? Good one here for my hockey rankings.com question of the week. I mean, I think it all depends, right, on the age and things like that. I, we always talk about taking, um, you know, a month or two off and, and let that hunger uh, develop. But, you know, now as we enter mid July here, it, it's time to get back on, get some, you know, a couple weeks long camps and things like that. Get, uh, get back on the ice a bit, but, you know, still light and focus on the skills. Um, you know, it, it really is important to, to get away and, and, um, you know, enjoy it and play other sports. But, um, you know, I don't think there's an exact like bust out the calendar and say it has to be, um, you know, it has to be this amount of time, right? Yeah, I would say after the season, the season is long, right? It stretches over in you know, the fall and, you know, into the spring a bit or close to it. So I think your body needs a break right after the season and then into the summer. Like it's really cool to see kids wanting to be on the ice, you know, whether it be like some power skating or whatever, you know, some skill work. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I just, you know, I'm, I've been on the ice with a really good group, uh, some older kids, Yep. you know, seven to nine, and they're motivated to stay going. You know, it, it right. didn't start until, you know, late June, but it was, it was definitely, you know, some kids are playing like a three on three fun league or whatever it is. You know, maybe in May, but um, but I don't know. I I mean, everyone's different, really. Um, but I think for kids, you definitely need to have them take a break, put the bag away for a little bit, just to re recoup their muscles that are being overused throughout the whole season. 
Yeah, I think so much of it, especially at the younger age group, as kids get caught up in it, they're doing all these tournaments and things like that. Like you said, as um, you know, my older two, especially now they're 14, 16, they're back on the ice, they're doing some skill work, they're working out, um, they're not playing in these tournaments and things like that. My youngest will be back on the ice. Their team actually has a couple of hours of ice coming up here and as well as, uh, you know, the camp down in Nantucket with my brother and everything. So it's like, you know, that's my 11-year-old. But we haven't – we've been off the ice quite a bit. I think maybe, um, you know, they, they've had the bags away for a while. And, it, it you know, it's good to kind of ramp things back up now, like I said, in mid-July. But it's been a solid break because, you know, literally, like you said, from the end of August until – um, you know, basically mid to late March, it's like full court press of hockey nonstop. So it, it really is important to get away and rest and uh, and let the body, the, the, let the the muscles recoup. Yeah, and then just supplement something. You know, you know, work your way in, and then you know, ramp it up back up in uh, by August again, right? So mid right. August, mid August, they because there's a lot of tournaments that start prior than than. <clears throat> You know, then school or like we we had that question from the teacher mom. You know, what, why do they have to have a tournament? You know, the first yeah. weekend of school. You know, right? Miss exactly. a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, exactly. Um, for part two of the my hockey rankings question of the week, and and you know, for me, it didn't happen as much as you. But any good memories from development camp, Mots? Um. It wasn't as structured as it is now. It was just in the summertime to go down and do some stuff. And I was like totally clueless. And, you know, my dad and I had to wake up. So it was the New York Rangers uh, that drafted me. And they I had to pay my own way because it was NCAA, you mm-hmm. know, kind of violation. And then we got up at like 4.30, you know, got down to Rye, New York, at Rye, Rye Playland a little early and had a big breakfast. And... um I was wearing my New Balance sneakers, you know, Newbies. not the running ones, but the dad ones, you know. <laughs> and I, you know, my dad's like, I don't know, like, what are you, what are you doing here? I'm like, I have no clue. So he was just sitting there at Rye Playland. I was like, like an amusement park. He was sitting on a bench, fell asleep, and um, we got on the track and doing like, it was like a cement um, stairs, like uh, bleachers. So we're yeah. doing plyos, and then we had to run the mile. And we did a, like a forty-yard sprint, and I had my big clod hoppers on. And then <laughs> we went in, and we got you know jumped edu- up the Quincy quarries with those things on later <laughs> on in the week. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, we got educated, you know. So we had to sit there and listen to some stuff, and um, it was just like a a long day. And then we did some more stuff the next day, but. My dad had to drive back, and I had to pay for my own room. And then, uh, you know, we did like bench press and high jump, or what, you know, there's all the testing that is still around today. But um, it was it was less structured. And going in, I the next year, I I knew kind of what to expect, and it was, um, you know, it's pretty good. You know, so they're just not knowing, and then going in. So these kids, right after they get drafted, or even the kids from years prior who are drafted, they go in right after the draft. It's pretty cool to right. go to a, a city and kind of get to know some of the prospects, get to know some of the staff, 
it gives you like a real um you know familiarity of like what's what to what to expect instead of going in kind of just like trying to figure it out on your own so clubs have done a really good job at you know kind of that infrastructure for the pipeline taking care of the prospects and kind of really cultivating them for when they're ready to make that jump yeah didn't you like dominate the mile and then throw up or something like that? Yeah, I did. <laughs> it was I just kept pushing and I the, the pancakes. I think I had like a the, the old big all American. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. Yeah, it was uh, it was a very good time, and I um, yeah, I surprised myself too. But yeah, I just pushed it to the limit, and then they're like, geez, this kid's like not correct. You know, just puking right <laughs> afterwards. Yeah, but you grinded it out and did it. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. You know, sub uh, six. There you go. I'm sure yeah. there's some there was always some gazelles out there. Yeah, there was there was one kid who just never got tired. Um yeah. cause we had to run it twice, actually. You know, not back to back, but it was you know, time you like pushing. It's like that in between, you know, it's four laps and then it's not a sprint. It's not, you know, just long distance. So, right. And I, you know, hadn't trained for anything. You know, we were, I don't even know if I was working out that much then. Yeah. A ton. So it's kind of, it's funny. amazing how much it's changed. Cause even from your time to mine, um, you know, I remember going, like, I went to a Blackhawks rookie camp and, or, you know, same thing. It was like right after the draft. And I think the, the Blackhawks had just taken, um, Taves in the draft, but he may have been injured, so he was there. But he was kind of the big hoopla, um, you know. With the the obviously he was you know, got the next future captain and Stanley Cup winner, and so he had all the hype. But there was no, you know, it was it was just much, um, you know, it was different. It was it was a pretty cool experience for me. You know, you go in as like an undrafted free agent guy, but there was some obviously really good players there. I remember seeing you would. They had kind of the the Duncan Keiths and Brent Seabrook and um, did you get on Dustin, the ice? Yeah, and Dustin Bufflin, those guys, but they were like a year or so into it, so they basically like had those guys around Chicago and they were around the rookie camp. They didn't actually skate with us, but yeah, we did skating, we did like game scrimmages. So that's, I mean, that's why obviously when you see it now, some different free agent invites. Um, gives guys an opportunity to go in there and, and, you know, basically show what you have. But, yeah, I went and, yeah, we probably played like four games. I remember going to like a White Sox game. You did a tour of the United Center. Um, there was probably a bunch of other things. I can't remember. You know, I obviously had a roommate that that I was out there with. And uh, so it was pretty – actually, you know who – was he my roommate? But it was it was it was like Dave Boland. It was a lot of those guys that went on and uh, Cam Barker. A lot of those guys that ended up having like great careers. Besides yeah. yours, truly. <laughs> <laughs> but it was I, a cool experience. Yeah, I think, I think I, it must have been after like my sophomore junior year. I think that that's great for the the prospects, and even like you said, the undrafted players have an opportunity to make an impression. You know, to you know to put their best foot forward. And I think scouts do a good job at identifying players that they, they see some, some value in and uh, inviting them to those camps. So it is a good Avenue and a good resource for the uh, organizations to, to really um, 
you know, get a, a feel for the, the prospects and also, you know, those undrafted guys that, you know, may have slipped through the cracks for the draft and have developed at a different time. No, exactly. Um, like we always say, trust that process. But, uh, Mots, this was a great edition of the uh, the mailbag. A lot of, lot of hockey, you know, double A, triple A, kids yeah. getting caught, kids' body types, puberty, different age groups. So you can see that, um, you know, the, the mailbag's been getting filled up with uh, a lot of good questions. And uh, with hockey season, you know, we're, we're in summertime here, but it's it really is people uh, – it's always hockey season. So we really appreciate everybody reaching out. Obviously, a couple of good ones to beat up with the My Hockey Rankings questions of the week. Uh, really appreciate uh, really appreciate everybody listening and uh, chiming in with all these questions. It really makes the, uh, the show go on here. So good stuff. Yeah. Now time to watch the MLB All-Star game. Did oh, you yeah. watch the Home Run Derby last night? Did I didn't even see one single pitch. No, I was uh, – I had to work. I had to work, so I was uh, I was unable to uh, to watch any of it. But uh, didn't some guy break a record or something like thirty one in a round in a in a round? Um, I think it was. I'm not sure because like the records are kind of tough now because they they do it by time. Oh, okay. You know, but still, I, mean, I thought I read something today, like on you know, whatever on on Twitter that uh, somebody somebody broke a record on a round or something. Well, it's pretty amazing. Um, this kid from Baltimore, um, Adley uh, Richmond, mm-hmm. he's uh, he was like number one overall pick uh, a few years back, and his dad was pitching to him. No way. Yeah, and, you know, he's he's hitting lefty, and he had like, I don't know, I think he had like 19 or 20. So if yeah. you hit so many like over a certain amount, like I think it was like 440 feet, you get like a goal. So you needed two of those and you get in on the 30 seconds. Okay. If you don't, you just get like just the one thirty seconds after your three minutes. Yeah. So he, he didn't hit any over that. So he ended up just getting the 30 seconds, I believe. And he, then he turned around and went righty and he ripped like seven out of eight pitches what? in 30 seconds. Righty. It was unbelievable. I was like, this is amazing. That is amazing. It's so cool to see. And then I'm, um, Unfortunately, because like people were going bananas, and the guy just the next guy came up and and dusted him, you know. For her. I think he ended up with twenty seven. I think the other guy got like thirty something, thirty five or whatever, something crazy. Wow. Yeah, That's but it was. I, I always enjoyed that as a kid growing up. You know. Oh, I love. I always loved it. I should have DVR'd it, but I was relying on my kids to give me the info. Yeah, I mean, I got a question for you, Mots, and well, yeah. both of you guys, since you guys enjoyed the. The home run derby. Do you do you miss the ten outs as opposed to the time? I I get it. The game is so slow. That's why they implemented this pitch clock, and they yeah. have to speed it up. And nobody wants to sit there for four hours watching these guys hit bombs. But I feel like the ten outs is more of a true contest than having two minutes and then you get a timeout and all that. Yeah, stuff. it's more stamina, and you know I think the ten pitches. You know you have to be selective too. You know, you wait for a pitch and then you drive it. But I remember Mark McGuire, I think it was I 90. was going to say Mark McGuire. What was that, 99? 99 in Fenway. Yes. He was like down to his last out and he ripped like, I don't know, 12 in a row. It was, so, it was something crazy. Yeah, he went and got the Andro out of his uh, locker. <laughs> it was good to go. You could have used that for that rookie testing. I know I could have. Yeah. I was, uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, I think I, I barely, yeah, the bench press was kind of weak. Um, <laughs> yeah, him and Sosa were, you know. If we only had the Sean Scahan workout plan then, we would have been all then, set, kid. It would have been nice. But, uh, yeah, the, that I like it. I, I think I like. Do you So do you like the timer? I, I, I actually don't mind the timer. You know, you I'm can more see of a traditionalist with it. Like I always liked the 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 like you said that ten out. I thought that was awesome. Like my favorite memories as a kid is like the Mark McGuire, um, Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah. hat on backwards. Uh, he won it three times. Yes, like Smooth. that was unbelievable and like just driving the ball with uh you know that old school thing but it really is cool you know not that i like i said i didn't even watch it last night but uh it is these guys are it, you know they're juicing the balls though right I know. yeah they have to be because they, they going, have to be they're going a mile they're going forever it's crazy and then the game itself is uh it's like cool to see you know kind of the different top players play but i liked it when they the the decided the winner got home field in the world yes. series so there was something yeah. on right and then and then the game went into like they're playing to win all of a sudden instead of going like 14 innings and like they didn't run out of guys and stuff so like yeah. that's why they scrapped it you know what always kind of freaked me out with the home run derby was the guys kids or whoever it is that's in the outfield oh, yeah. and you just have Rockets. people hitting absolute rockets like how do more kids not get absolutely you want to talk about the same thing you one kid got absolutely helmets one kid got absolutely smoked in the in the face last night by vlad guerrero line drive oh yeah it's it's bad i'll send you the video right now dude like i'm telling you it's that's always been my thing like if that was my kid they have like little kids out there and guys are just one after another just dropping absolute line drive bombs to kids that probably don't even know if they catch left or right yet yeah line like so they could hit one out and then like they hit and then two seconds later there's another one coming i'd be like my adhd would kick and i'd be staring over my head like looking at the one that went out and next thing you know i get a line drive coming at my griddle (laughs) and the thing i i actually was able to take um bp at fenway and I was mm-hmm. able to shag, you know, from from the socks, like guys yep. that weren't playing, Wearing and like guys are driving it to right center, and it's coming in hot. Yeah, you know, like these these kids are some of the kids are making nice catches, but it was like like popping the mitt from you know right you know from home plate to right center. So I can imagine these these little guys just and they're fighting for it too, like they you know, like some oh, jump yeah. balls. <laughs> it's unbelievable. So um, like it, it it really is. All right. Well, once a uh, once again, this was uh, this was great. Thank you to the sponsors. Thanks to uh, everybody for listening and sending in those mailbag questions. And uh, time to cue the ring, ring shuffle, Jason.